0: Hello, friends, and however you're listening to this episode of On Grace, we're really glad that you're a part of it. I'm sitting across the desk from the folks who would ride in the motorcycle and sidecar if Broadway had such a thing. I'm going to let you fellas decide who's in the motorcycle and who's in the sidecar. Mr. Wendell Van Valen and Mr. Wayne Hunter. Have you guys ever seen one of those in real life? Like, not in a show. I don't think I have ever seen no, one in real I life. I haven't either. I've seen the w- little sidecar that they use for
1: storage, but not anybody riding in it. Yeah. That was a German thing, wasn't it, in World War II? I think
2: so. Didn't they do In the movies,
1: out? that's when they use it. That's when I've seen it.
2: Hey, I'll ride All on right. the handlebars. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and, and you can drive, and I'll hold one of those twirly things. <laughs> you know, those windmills? Uh-huh. That'd be fun. yeah. Um, a what? You know, like on the end of a stick, they go... Like a, a, the pinwheel thing? Pinwheel, yeah. Pinwheel, oh, okay. pinwheel. Yeah, okay, yeah. 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 I'll, wear, I'll I'll, hold one of those. In fact, if you're careful, I'll hold them in both hands. Oh, but If you well. swerve <laughs> one way or another, you've lost me, and now we have to call 911. Uh, so, yeah. all right, well, we've, we're duly introduced. Right. Wayne's driving a motorcycle, and I'm on the handlebars, and JB's in the sidecar. <laughs> so there's,
0: there's, so, there's something odd about the person in the sidecar, I think.
2: Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> that's yeah. why you're on the side and your point, And your point <laughs> is? <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about when uh, God became flesh in Jesus. And we were talking about how much he showed his power in the Old Testament in creation and pillars of smoke and fire and parting of Red Sea and all that stuff. And then he came in flesh, and Jesus did just enough, air quotes, tricks to show I'm the real deal. You know, there have been other prophets, but they can't you know, turn water to wine and multiply bread and fish and heal blindness and leprosy and even raise people from the dead. So yeah, I've got the same chops as my dad. I've got the same power, but I'm not going to use it that way. And at the end of our talk that day... Wayne made the point that given all the power that Jesus had, same as the Father, instead of using it to control, uh, manage, micromanage, um, even macromanage, like in the days of Roman occupation, you would have thought he would have flexed and said, get away from my people, leave them alone. He didn't do that. But instead, he used his power to connect and to form deep relationships life-changing relationships that were even that even went deeper at Pentecost when his very spirit fell upon his people and and actually inhabited them in their hearts. So today we want to kind of pursue so what did that connection look like? What mostly what what it wasn't at first and then what it was. Yeah. So the idea of what it wasn't. I'm going to go with the wasn't and I'm going to let somebody else take the was. <laughs> <laughs> but the what you, you would think that Jesus would would hobnob with the rich and famous because they had deep pockets, they had influence in the community and the culture they could get things done, they could, you know, um really p- pave the way for him and 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 get a, a wide open door for him to go through. But he didn't do that. He didn't go to uh, the tabernacle. And I mean, he did, but it, when he went, he turned over tables. He didn't buddy up with the powers that be and say, hey, let's, you know, really build this thing and put on an right. addition and pad the pews and that kind of yeah. thing. But instead, he that's what he didn't do. Now, Wayne's going to tell us, or JB's going to tell us <laughs> what he did do.
0: He's going to hang out here in the sidecar. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> hey. You know, Harry Potter was in the sidecar. Yes, that's, a uh, that's a good word.
1: That's affirmation. There. I'd forgotten that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think there's this, um, when we talk about connection and I think I was just sitting here thinking about the three of us here and our connections are based not on our strengths. I think we have that sometime in, in some, some relationships, some settings, people connect based on strengths, but the relationships that I have that are most meaningful are, are based on, um, authenticity and, and include weaknesses and broken places and needs as much as strengths. And, and you've talked about uh, Jesus uh, connecting to those who are at the bottom of the ladder mm-hmm. uh, and, and going to those, pla- those weakest of society, those people who had l- the least power, the least influence, the people who were dysfunctional, who w- didn't fit in and i i think what grace does and what god's heart does is connects to those places in us the places that are broken that are are weak and that perhaps are dysfunctional that he meets us in those places and the the strange part is he meets when he meets us there he doesn't fix it all the time hmm. he doesn't even he doesn't heal that brokenness all the time but there's this sense in which he knows us there. He connects to us, and that's what he's after, is that connection and that being and what we desire is to be known and to be loved. And and that's what he uses his power for. Um, and and so that is very different f- from how we want God to express his grace and his love sometimes. I think we, we want him to fix us, uh, but instead of using it f- for that, he uses it to bind us and bond us to him. Uh,
2: In our woundedness, there's a perpetual dialogue. If he fixed us, the dialogue would be like leaving the doctor's office. Thank you very much. Right. You know, yeah. I'll take these pills and I'll, yeah. you know, next time I get sick, I'll see you. Right. Which is kind of. A lot of times, the way we deal with God, yeah, we show up when we're sick, and then when we're healed, we say, "Well, we'll see you right. next time we're sick."
1: Yeah, certainly, what happened in the Old Testament with the children of Israel? Yeah, whenever they were in trouble, they yeah they called out, but when they weren't, they forgot.
2: Yeah, and 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 I guess over time, we're I'm realizing anyway. I can't speak for anybody else that I'm pretty much perpetually wounded.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's that that God keeps us wounded so that we will keep coming to Him. I think it's because he, it's not that he doesn't care, but he's not put off by our woundedness like we think he would be. We think he wants perfect people. But the whole point of creation was to have broken people. I mean, if he wanted perfect people, he had himself in the Trinity. Uh, But the whole point of of this is for him to, I don't know if it's all about God or not, but maybe, you know, it sounds kind of weird. That he did something all about him, it's all about him, but at the same time, but it's it not all, all about,
2: about him showing off. It's all about him sharing himself. Right. Yeah. It is all about him. Yeah. But not showing off. It's him sharing. It, himself. Yeah.
1: It creates an opportunity for God to
2: be generous. Yeah. And to be in great. the face of people who even want to reject that generosity. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be generous anyway. Yeah.
1: And and sometimes we think, I th- you know, even our brokenness doesn't make us attractive to God, but he because that's not but it but there's something about it that creates the opportunity for him to to connect with us in a way that is meaningful for him and for us like this is not just yeah a, about what we experience when we connect with God but I think there's something unique and uh delightful to him that he connects with our weakness and our brokenness, uh, with our, our sin.
2: And yet, and yet the question that haunts everybody in the world and that they try to point a finger at God is if you're so good, why is there so much suffering? Yeah. And he's saying you don't even get it. Right. It's in the suffering that we have the most profound connection. Yeah. And some would say, "Well, so that's why you cause suffering." No, right? Don't cause it. Yeah. But I have discovered I can connect with you. Right. In that. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, one thing that hits me about and and I think it speaks to us and and how we can exercise grace or or live into it or whatever is if Jesus had gone to Wall Street or the Vatican, either one, and said, "I'm here." watch what I can do. They would have said, "Man, we can really boost your career. We can yeah. we can get this out. We can do something with this." Right. But he he dealt with people. You think about the little kids. When they got a kiss or a hug from Jesus, they got some sort of affirmation. They did not leave his presence and do anything for his career. Nothing. Right. He stood nothing to gain whatsoever from the leper. Or from the Gentiles, you know he stood he stood to gain nothing. And and so I think about how man, how I was I'm ashamed of it, but how I was a pastor for so many years and I would pursue the pretty people, the successful yeah. people.
1: Yeah.
2: And and thinking they would serve so well in this little religious empire that we have here. Right. They would be so they would be such an asset yeah toward the very end a, a very lowly lady started to attend my church good lady good good lady but you, you, she she had it hard and I got this inkling I thought we need to sit at her feet and learn right what grace and what the kingdom looks like yeah and that was about the time I left the church but
1: yeah
2: it started to dawn on me this is what right. Jesus did
1: yeah yeah. And it wasn't uh, I don't think he just acted out of pity. No. I think he he recognized something in people the, of value and worth. And we talk about compassion, uh, but it, it was this awareness that that he wanted to connect with them. He wasn't doing it as a favor no. to us, simply just as a favor to us. But this really is his heart is what he delights in is is this connection and i think when i
2: doubt he saw it as stooping down
1: yeah right i really i right. really
2: do- doubt if he saw it that yeah. way
1: and and perhaps you know maybe holiness doesn't look like clean hands and uh pure heart as much as it looks like this um connecting with people in their weakness and in their brokenness and not thinking of that as stooping down
2: right right there there is profound there is profound creativity and determination and courage in the lowly hmm. each step they take each small step they take is a step of courage and a step of creativity a step of innovation a step it's humanity at its best right really yeah and and I don't know if he was honoring that or just saying you are the most human humans I've created. Right. And let's see what the most godly god and the most human humans let's see what happens when we interact. Yeah. The other humans who are playing all these games of wealth and power, they've dehumanized themselves. They're not Right.
1: Yeah. There's we have um have lost that value of
2: of the spirit. Yeah
0: don't want to put you guys on the spot, but uh, both of you serve pretty consistently at Hotel Inc., yeah. which here in Bowling Green is uh, serves uh, folks who are experiencing homelessness. And obviously you have a foot in that world and a foot in this world, uh, which is very unlike Hotel. So I'm curious, as you guys talk about stooping down or encountering people um, without the bottom line in mind or furthering your career or notoriety in mind. Yeah. What has your experience been with encountering the folks at hotel, folks who are experiencing homelessness and um, folks who, as we've talked about it here, seem to have a more significant connection with the Spirit.
2: It is not a stooping down. It is stepping up. And, and that and that's not a, oh, I need to sound pious here. The longer I'm down there, the more I feel like I'm getting on an elevator and going up a floor or two when I step in there. Those pr- people are profound. They're unbelievable human beings, way... More inspiring and yeah, way more inspiring than the people I went to seminary with and studied under. I mean, I just they're astounding.
0: Why? Why are they more inspiring?
2: Every every moment that they live, every breath that they take is a miracle, and they're gratif they're grateful for it. You look at their care for each other, their sensitivity to each other, their. They're ju- their attention to the value of the moment, especially in their encounters with other people and with, and with me. I um, mean, you know, I've got a guy down there who lives in another dimension, and we talk about his other dimension. And I'm, he's given me two formulas now about this other dimension. and I've, Those are the most treasured pieces of paper <laughs> I've got because I think he gave me a piece of his soul and he lives in the woods in a tent every night and just scratching and clawing to get by and I can't wait to see him every week because I think what else are you going to teach me about what goes on in your heart and your mind most people would call him crazy he may be a freaking genius <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, think, I I think go ahead
1: I think part of it is for me was learning uh, a different vocabulary about how to talk about god um if if when i went down there and expecting to hear what i hear here at church with these folks who have a different experience of of life uh, not necessarily of god but of life and, it, and they interpret it in a different way but uh going there i th- you know i find people that discover god in places that i would never look for him Yes, and who can? Yes, and who recognize that and teach me how to recognize God, um, in the throwaway places that He, uh, yeah, and that that He finds ways for them to experience that. That, and they express it differently than I do, and uh, you know, it's couched in this lifestyle that I don't understand and don't get, but it's very
2: yeah. authentic. Yeah. And
1: real. And Remember that old them.
2: that old crooner song. I don't know, fifties or sixties. I only have eyes for you. And yeah. You th- and you think about these people down there. They only have eyes for God. Just, and and you would say, no, they don't. They they cuss and they drink and they do drugs and they do all kind. things. Yeah. But when when you really talk to them, you realize, f- for a lot of them, they only have they're seeing God places that we don't see because that's what they're looking for.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because. You know they they have all these issues, what we call issues, uh, but there's a the confidence that this is God who is at work in their life, yeah. who is showing up yeah. more than I hear even among folks in the church who have comfortable lives. They talk about well, you know, I think this is something God might be doing in my life, or this I think this is it. And it's, there's kind of a, a tentativeness about that, whereas these folks, they're just you know, yeah, God did that. God did this, yeah, he showed me that, and you know, uh it's just uh, not assumed, but it's it's kind of like well, yeah, that's the kind of thing God does, yeah, that's what he would do, yeah, which is it, which is helpful and challenging and inviting to me to to have that much confidence that that's what it is what's happening,
2: yeah.
0: friends this marks the 30th episode of on grace and we are really glad that you have been a part of this journey we're really grateful for your support and would love to hear from you so please don't hesitate to shoot us an email at ongrace@broadwayunited.org. at broadway that's on grace at broadway united all one word we look forward to hearing from you